Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, we have a special podcast for you today. We're going to be talking about the Wales women's wins over Kazakhstan and Estonia. Uh, unfortunately, Ruth has pulled a sickie, um, but I think I have managed to get uh, a more than adequate replacement. We are joined today by Gwenan Harris. Thank you for joining us, Gwenan. No, oh, thank you. Thank you for the invite. Pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to dissecting the last two Wales women's games with you. Thank you. I do instantly regret saying more than adequate replacement. That sounds like, you know, you know, you, you ordered some good quality potatoes at Tesco's and they brought you Tesco's own instead, which was absolutely uh, not my intention. I apologise. Hey, I'll take that. The way that Ruth explained the, the playoff for the World Cup draw back in the summer, I'll happily take that. I take that as a compliment. Yeah, that, do you know what? That will, that, will, that will make her day. That will make her feel a hundred times better uh, hearing you say that. So absolutely. Um, so we are going to talk about the two games, obviously kind of two fairly contrasting games. Um, we'll start with the Kazakhstan game, obviously. Um, Obviously, uh, the first thing I think we should start at is talking about the lineup. Um, obviously, there, I, I also thought there were two kind of interesting tweaks in, in tactics a little bit as the as the as the two games differed. But we'll start with the Kazakhstan game. I think we can both agree that's probably our strongest lineup. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, we were missing Haley Ladd for the for the previous games, and you know when building up to the the squad announcement, Gemma Granger said that she felt it was the strongest squad she had possible to her. Um, the depth of the squad is, is improving and it has improved massively. So that's great news for us. I do think the youngster Carrie Jones is putting pressure on. But at the moment, I think that that is the, the best starting level available to us. And it looks like a real healthy um, you know, and competitive starting eleven as well, which is so pleasing to see. Yeah, I agree. I think the reality is that one spot that was Kerry Holland's is probably the the only one position which you'd probably argue is up for grabs in the team, especially kind of in the in the new way that we play compared to how we played under Jane. I think it's going to be interesting because Elise Hughes was getting more game time previously and obviously now Kerry Holland's got the nod and, and Carrie Jones obviously did, had a great performance, especially the impact she made in both games. So it's going to be interesting to see how that progresses. Yeah, definitely. I was tend to think more in terms of defensively because obviously... With the way that we used to play under Jane, um, you know, we were very defence defence orientated, um, and we play a lot of midfielders in defence. So Sophie Ingle, Haley Ladd both play in their well, their main positions, their favourite positions in midfield. But with the different type of style now, uh, with a more attacking setup, really, our mentality that's obviously released a few further forward. But I was unsure what, when Gemma Granger came in, where maybe those who was going to play in the back line. Um, and I'm really excited to see the partnership that will develop between uh, Gemma Evans and Hayley Ladd. They obviously haven't been tested in these last two games. Hayley wasn't there then for the, the three previous games. But I think that's really a real good combination. There's a, I don't know, there's a real good balance between them. Um, you know, they're, they're physical. Well, Gemma's more physical. She's quick as well. Hayley reads the game well. They can both bring the ball out the back. So I was really happy in that sense. Um Rachel Rowe as a left-back is an interesting one because I've always said I'd rather see her higher up the pitch. Um, she can play anywhere, to be fair. She's so versatile. But obviously in that Kazakhstan game, where she was, don't leave where she was meant to be starting as a left-back to start with, but obviously you know, the way that Kazakhstan um, shaped up, she pushed into midfield more. But I think that was always a position I, I thought was open up for grabs, but I think she's just nailed that down now. And then because of that, because she's maybe dropped back, that opened that spot up then for Kerry Holland, who I think as well has really taken her chance. Um, she was super impressive against Canada on her debut and then she's missing. And yeah, she just seems really solid, really stable. She can go off both feet there. So it's, as I said, it's really exciting that we've we've got more depth now to the squad, but definitely that start and left and look stronger and more competitive than ever. No, I agree, and I think you make a great point about the the partnership between uh, Lad and Evans at the back. I think they they kind of complement each other well. Gemma Evans, I would say, is maybe a bit more physical, kind of much much more willing to mix it, for want of a better expression. Um, obviously, can bring the ball out, but I feel like Haley Lad's much more comfortable with her feet. Um, do you do you think maybe that Rachel Rowe was playing left back in these games because of who we were playing? That she maybe won't play there, let's say against a France or someone like that, or do you think that's perhaps where her role will kind of continue to be moving forward? No, I think like because if you look back to the the previous games, I think she she played against Denmark, um, and obviously they're one of the, the top ranked nations um, in Europe. So 
I think it was always somewhere where she maybe been employed because when she's played for Red and she's played in so many different positions, yeah. she has shown depth. She's played there before on numerous occasions, maybe more as a wing back in the Jane Ludlow regime. Um, she's really tenacious. She's disciplined in terms of her shape. Um, so she brings that element defensively, but obviously then she brings so much to the game on an attacking sense. My only issue with the team um, is that we've only really got one natural left-footed player in Gemma Evans, and we maybe miss that balance sometimes down that left-hand side. But then Rachel Rowe is comfortable going off both feet. She likes to, to, to maybe come back in, drift in a little bit more, but she is just as adept going down the wing as well. So I think the performances she's put in has probably just solidified her place there. But I do think it was a, a ploy beforehand um, because I can remember her playing there against Denmark and she bombed on a lot in that game as well. Yeah, that's good. But and I suppose we have had a mixture. Like, uh, obviously, Lauren Dykes played there before, and and Gemma Evans even had a bit of a spell at left back as well. I think, didn't she? So, um, it is it is maybe that's hers hers to keep now. But I mean, we we mentioned Rachel Rowe going forward there. We'll we'll get to her wonder goal in a minute. But I think they were six fantastic goals. And to start things off, Kaylee Green's finish. I think I think you may have said this in the commentary yesterday. But if 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 Roe doesn't score hers, I think the other the other two goals were you know overshadowed a little bit because they were just they were excellent finishes themselves. And I thought Kaylee Green's in particular, you know, that turn and 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 the power she generated, she struck the the ball was fantastic. Yeah, I loved that finish because it, it was instinctive. She didn't have much time to think about it, so she literally just turned. And as we always used to say when training, like shoot on sight. If you if you get half a yard, then shoot. Tash Harden does block. Um, she does, she's a little bit of like a screen in front, which helps. So she blocks the um, the Kazakhstan defender. But I just love the the instinctiveness of, of Kaylee Green to just turn it and have a go. And that's what caught the keeper out because she was actually playing really well. Um, she made a lot of good saves. And she just wasn't ready for that shot at all. Obviously, went through the legs. And yeah, it was a great fit. She is really unlucky, to be, to be honest, as you said, because Rachel Rose is such a screamer that she's probably not had the credit for that that she deserves. And the same for Tash Hardens because that was a delightful finish. Really, really nice. The way she just opened her body up with the first touch and then just hooked it round, took it straight away again, a really early, early finish, which left the keeper with no chance. So it was nice. I mean, they tended to take the harder chances than the easy ones, which is frustrating in a one way, but then great to see. Um, and a great advertisement as well for, for the girls because of the, the type of goals that they scored. I agree, and like just on on Tash's goal, I I thought it was quite almost a delicate finish in the way she kind of placed it in the, in the in the side netting, and like you say, great movement. I, you know, the, it's great to hear you talking about the way she opened up her body because I just thought, I just thought she kind of flicked it a bit, so you can tell the difference between a professional and uh, and someone like me just watching. <laughs> um, obviously, then we get to we get to Rachel Rose goal, which was just ridiculous for want of a, to want of a red expression. I think my favourite part of it was the keeper looked as if she was going to dive and then kind of like shuffled to the one side and just thought, I'm I'm not getting anywhere near this. And, and the, like it was like she had that, you could see her face almost had that full thought process. And she just, to be fair, had absolutely no chance. It was such a great strike. Oh, it was. I think you could have put two keepers in that goal and they weren't saving yeah. it. I actually, I feel like I ruined the commentary of that goal because I was still talking because I wasn't expecting her to shoot and I, I just stopped mid-sentence. <laughs> Um, because I wasn't expecting her to shoot from so far out, but she's she does score some great goals as well. And she's she's really confident um, in her ability, and you need that, especially when you're playing at international level. But she was pick, she was coming inside a lot from from that original um, area she's meant to be playing, and she was just picking up loads of good areas, and I, it just bounced, you know, just the way it opened up for her. Yeah. You thought, why not? And I, and I in commentary, I compared it to um, Ronaldo's against. Porto for Man United Champions League years and years ago because that's how it seemed at the time. She just, just again, instinctively just hit it yeah. and it just went right into the top bins, as they say. Like You know sometimes as a player when you catch one and I think she knew straight away just that, that feeling. Um, yeah, the keeper just... She played very well, but she had absolutely no chance yeah. of that. And just, I loved the celebration. I loved the girls' celebration. And again, it was a great outfit for the women's game because... I think sometimes people are so quick to criticise and pick up on errors. That happens at every level, whether it's male or female football. So to have a goal like that um, go in, you know, and be 
gone all over social media as well. As I said, is superb for the, the women's game and highlighted just how talented and how skillful these players are. Yeah, I mean, the quality, I think the quality on uh, the display on the, on the whole kind of highlighted that and I'm sure people who kind of just dip in and out for the highlights will obviously have missed a lot of the other good stuff that happened in the game and I thought the the press in the way we retained and recycled the ball was really impressive and I think the one thing just on a kind of general point that women's football has that men's football doesn't have which is the physicality levels are a lot more accepted, if if that's the right way to say it. Yeah. I think a lot more is, I don't know, let go. And people are just more willing to get up and get on with the game. And I think that is something that kind of goes unsaid a lot of times in women's football. And again, I thought, you know, Kazakhstan were fairly physical a lot of the time. And, I, uh, and Estonia were the same as well. And I think that goes... Um, unnoticed a lot of the time because uh, you've used tenacity there talking about Rachel Rowe and I and I felt that the performance whilst you know we'll talk about the front foot stuff and everything else the tenacity and the t- tenaciousness if that's a, if that's a word it, in itself I thought was just a really impressive thing to watch. Yeah, I think I think if I'm honest, the game is just a lot more honest, so you don't see the the diving and the the cheating, the play acting, the rolling around that is is plaguing the I think the men's and spoiling the the men's game at the minute. Um, and it's it's all it's always been that way, and it is nice to see because as you said, you know, it is more physical. Players will go into challenges harder because they know that they actually can, and I enjoy that part of it. And I think most of the players do, even though I was a forward um, and I couldn't tackle in my life, but most. Most players enjoy that part of it, you know, that competitiveness. It's a physical game. You want to get that physical edge and get that physical battle against your, your opponent. So I'm pleased that it's, you know, we haven't been, as I said, run down with the, the play acting that's maybe coming into the men's game. But from a Welsh perspective, I always use the words like heart. Welsh teams have always got heart. Um, and you've always seen that from the teams from, from 10 years ago, Come forward, um, especially maybe under Jane, because of the organisation, the discipline, um, and the fitness levels have improved as well, which has helped them to keep, to improve that and keep that intensity for the full game. But what was nice on Friday night and, and last night as well was that obviously we were on the front foot, we were the one in possession and controlling the game. But any time we did lose possession, they weren't backing off that; they were straight back on it. And we used to have like a a rule. And Andy BT, you know, if, if you score a goal or if you lose the ball, you've got like four seconds, six seconds to get it back. And it seems like Gemma Granger might have put in like a two-second rule because they were just so on it yeah. to come back. So, yeah, and that's what you want. You want to see that dominant, intense display because that's what the top teams have. They are ruthless. So, yeah, there's so many pleasing aspects, to, especially Friday. Um, it's just a real, you know, it's a real good start to the campaign. No, I agree. You mentioned the fitness there, and I think that really showed toward the end of the game. Obviously, the the three, well, the, the the two goals that came came very late in the game themselves, and I think you know that again is is the reward for that hard work and effort to to get, to grab those extra goals. I, I thought Kaylee Green's header was an excellent one, um, and obviously the other the other two that followed were excellent headers as well. Gemma Evans kind of powered hers in and I really loved Kerry Holland's little kind of flick almost over the keeper, a little lob header and I think, you know, again, talking about things that are pleasing, I thought that it was great to see a bit of variety in our goals as well, it was great to score these screamers, you know, it's great to score these deft goals, um, like like Tash Harding's goal, but it's also good to be able to, you know, chuck the ball in the box and have someone who's going to dominate another team and kind of overpower them to an extent and I'm sure the fitness did play a part in that a bit at the end but I think, you know, that's that's the reward for being fit, you know, the players themselves. But as I say, I think that was something else that really impressed me is the variety of goals and the and the way we were willing to and able to score in plenty of different ways. Yeah, I think in terms of the fitness, that you, you kind of, you can feel that when you play in maybe a lesser ranked team that you've just got to be patient in the build-up and, and trust that process, trust that fitness. And we maybe 10 years ago were that team that would fatigue at 70 minutes and then concede. And I think even you're going back, I think it was Tash Harden's 50th when they played Norway in Spitty Park. And for 70 minutes, we were nil-nil and then conceded three late goals, which just shows the improvements have been made, more so because the majority of the girls are professional um, now, so training every day. But you've got to be patient in those in those moments. But as you said then, we had a little bit more of a clinical edge to us in different ways. So we've seen in the Denmark game that we were, you know, a great flowing move, one-touch, two-touch football, but we were 
happy to go quite direct at times on Friday. Yeah. And I like that yeah. so that you're not predictable. I loved Kayleigh Green's second goal because when you're playing the number nine, that's what you want out of a number nine. You yeah. want someone who's in and around that box and, and will finish. And and she did finish it well, heading it down as well, because we had a lot in the first half that were maybe, you know, just, just trying to stick your head on it instead of actually directing it and placing it down. Um and I love the fact, to be honest, that the that Gemma Evans, Kay Holland got their first goals because there's, you know, it's such a great feeling to to put on that Welsh or that red shirt anyway. But when you score for your country as well, it's just a little bit extra special. And I think you've seen that in the celebrations. Like Gemma Evans didn't know what to do. <laughs> so unsure, she's just like, "Where am I running to? What do I do?" Um, but when you're successful, when a team's successful, you do have different people contributing and that's what's important maybe in the past we've had you know Kayleigh Green has, has scored uh, quite a few in the last World Cup campaign um, Jess Fishlock's always chipping in with you know one or two but instead of having to be reliant on them that, that others are, are contributing better and that's what I actually liked more than anything out of Friday was the fact that they were different goal scorers yeah I gotta say, when you you mentioned Gemma Evans' celebration there, it instantly reminded me of Neil Taylor in the Euros. Actually, when he kind of did the same, <laughs> and he was just like, "Oh my god, I've scored! What the hell do I do?" And he just ran off and did a knee slide, and that and that kind of thing reminded me that mine that as well. Um, what I mean, you you have obviously scored goals for Wales. Can you kind of? I'm sure you can remember your first goal, but can you kind of describe like that? I don't know. Feeling is a bit cliche, but like that moment when you can see the ball is going into the back of the net, and you know, for the first time. It's really, people ask this as well when they ask about like what it's like to play for country, and I find it really hard to explain because it's just such a proud moment. Um, but in terms of scoring, yeah, I can remember my my first goal, and uh, we were actually out in Macedonia, and I I had, it was like my sixth game, it was the sixth cap, so I hadn't scored, and I was starting to feel like it was just nagging on on me a little bit, even though I was still young, I was only nineteen. Um, and yeah, Cheryl Foster pulled the ball back. And I was thinking, don't sky it, because <laughs> I was thinking, just just place it, just place it, just place it, place it into the corner. And I didn't know what to do with myself, because I was just so happy. Yeah. I can remember Fozzie, so Cheryl Foster, who's now refing, and she said, um, I was literally like beaming. <laughs> she had the biggest smile ever. It's just, it's, for me, it was more of a release of feelings, because I was feeling like a little bit of pressure on it. And I just got that first one as a four when I just got that first one out of the way. And that's why I'm sure Kerry Holland will be pleased as well to have got her goal quite early on um, in her cap so that it's not nagging away at you. But yeah, I, it's so hard to explain. Um, I've not answered this very well because it's just such a special feeling. Like scoring a goal is a great feeling anyway because you feel like you've put that piece of skill on. Yeah. You know, even if it has come in off your knee, you don't tell other people that. You just say it's <laughs> I meant to do that. Yeah, but when it's when it's for your country um, at an international game and in a crucial game as well, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a really surreal feeling more than anything. And it's something that sinks in maybe a little bit later on. I know people can't see this obviously because we're we're not sharing the video, but uh, I would say that your facial expression told me everything that I needed to know there about how how you <laughs> felt about scoring. The second I even asked the question, I could see your I could see your eyes go into the corner of the room, and you kind of probably. <laughs> could it was so it. long ago. That's why <laughs> I to think back. <laughs> I also agreed when I when you talked about where well, you know great piece of skill or whatever. I don't think I've ever scored a goal that involved a great piece of skill. So I uh, I don't know. Why I agreed with you there. Um, <laughs> Uh, that was one of the things I wanted to say quickly there. Uh, you mentioned Jess Fishlock, who had a, a great double header. I thought her contributions were fantastic. And uh, she doesn't necessarily score as many goals as she used to uh, for Wales, but or has rather than, rather than used to. And I think her role as kind of the supply line is really effective. But I saw after the match yesterday, I, I forget, I think it was Beth Fisher maybe who tweeted it that Wales have played 199 women's internationals and Jess Fishlock has played in 125 of them. I mean, that is an absolutely staggering statistic and shows her commitment and everything else to play for Wales. I mean, there is there is nothing about Welsh women's international football, I'd imagine, she doesn't know. And and, and her contributions don't really appear to have waned either. If, if anything, she's kind of using the experience she's gained and the knowledge she has to, you know, to kind of, change the way she plays a little bit sometimes and, and is really still positively impacting games. Oh, yeah. You know, she's a huge player. You know, if if you look at a team sheet without her, um, we're a far weaker side. Obviously, the players around her have, have developed and I think it was quite crucial in the, the Euro campaign. We did miss her because she had that knee injury and she's not one 
and that gets injured often. Um, and other players really had to step up. But actually, it was quite good in a one sense because players like Angela James really did drive us on. But you always want her there because of that, you know, like the skill for that goal yesterday, the assist just on the outside. There's not many players that can just firstly see the vision, the vision for that pass, but then to execute it. Well, I would say, obviously, the commitment to, to play in so many of those games, 125 out of 199, but the professionalism as well. She does the, the things off the pitch to allow her to be in that position. I'm not one that's maybe about, oh, you know, she's getting older because she's in her 30s, because I spoke to her a few months back and she said she feels better than she's ever felt. Um, and it's not always about age, but it's about having that support system in place, which Wales have obviously improved to help her. But just the way she carries herself on and off the pitch, because to turn up that many times to your country is hard anyway. Um, but to do it when you you've been travelling all over the world like she has, that takes a lot out of your body. So again, just goes to show, you know, just how dedicated she is to um, herself and her performance, but to enable her to play for Wales as well. And playing for Wales does mean everything to all the girls. Um, you can't say it means more to one than the other. It means yeah. everything to all of them. But, yeah, just the the way that she's been able to put herself in the position to play so many times, she says everything about her character. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I've told this story before. I won't I won't retell it too many times. But when when we spoke to her a, a while ago, I was the, the the time she gave us and the um the energy she dedicated to us. I suppose I, I think she's not only the professionalism which is obviously there, but also her desire to grow women's football. I think is something that is feels like it's constantly on her. Do you know what I mean? And you know, you mentioned the traveling there. I mean, traveling over from from Seattle. As often as the as the, as she does is is fantastic, really, and it, like you say, it must take so much out of her. Um, but yeah, like she's uh, she's a fantastic uh, attribute for Welsh football, and you know, uh, amongst the attributes on on Friday night, we're we're having a, a home crowd back again, and I thought it, that was something that again kind of gave the players maybe an extra ten percent or so. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, you know, Jess, as you said, I'm feeling the pressure of of having to carry Wales through through. Those, but obviously, she's always been the, the big name, uh, which is something she thrives on, obviously. But it's nice now that, you know, the, the mantle is being passed to others as well and that she's been one of those that has seen that progression from from those early days of, you know, turning up maybe the day before the game, playing an extra large kit. Um, I should know because I was a roommate and I used to have to tidy up after it every single time. So messy, unbelievable. I don't even know if she's got tidier with time, but whoever rooms there, I'll tell you that. Um, but in terms of the fact that she's seen that, she's seen that progression, um, and I think it's quite nice in a one way that there is like Helen Ward, Tash Hard, and they're in in that crew as well. That are so thankful of where it's, it is now, but are still striving for more for those younger girls, and you know they're role models in more than one way. But I just find it lovely that. Now there are other names coming up with them, which has, has also shown that progression. So young Hal James, Sophie Ingalls, Carrie's now coming through as well. Um, and there's, there's so much more accessible to those youngsters that were in the crowd. Because I think it was 1,700 there, but it felt like a lot more. I was over the other side commentating, and it felt like a hell of a lot more because of the noise that they were making. And it's just great to see, as I said, that development and that players like Jess have been so crucial to that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, progression is, is definitely a big part of that. And I just wonder what you thought of the progression. Obviously, we played Kazakhstan four years ago now in 2017. It was a 1-0 win, kind of hard-fought victory, a bit of a, I don't want to say scrappy goal, but it, it certainly wasn't a classic. And, and whereas last night, obviously, we, we kind of turned up and played in a very, very different way. Beyond the obvious, I know, you know, new manager. But what do you think are the big differences between how we've changed? Because I, I think, you know, the depth that you mentioned there is, is certainly a big part of that. The expectation has changed um, and that was really off the back of the last World Cup campaign when we took it to the very last game against England. Um, I think people always forget that Russia were in our group yeah. and Russia actually went to the Euros um, that summer beforehand and they were ranked way above us and we, we've dismantled them at home. That 3-0 games were one of the best games in terms of enjoyable games to watch Wales. So I think the expectation from there has, has obviously grown. I'm not sure if we knew how to cope with that then in the Euro, Euro qualifying campaign that just been when we had Northern Ireland because it's something that we may be a little bit unsure of. But that 
process from the last game to now, that four years, because of the expectation, the experience that they've had, I think there's been a real shift in the mentality and it's obviously then changed with um, Gemma Granger coming in and, and the fact that there's a lot more support there, the support that they're getting off the pitch, um, the professionalism, that they're at the veil now, they've just got everything provided for them. That obviously helps. But the mentality in, in two ways, being more positive and having more belief in themselves and secondly, with Gemma Granger more so coming in, just the mentality of, of playing in a in a more positive, direct way has obviously helped us. And we look like such a different team because of the different um, ways of playing, you know, the, the system that we were playing, but just the way that the girls were actually retaining possession of the ball and, and having the freedom to to be able to to play it around, pick um, people's pockets, play it around the corner and just play one touch, two touch passing. And it was a joy to watch, to be honest, because there's so many good players, technically good players, and they're improving the more they are in that professional setup with their clubs domestically. So I, I think that mentality, more than anything, has changed. Yeah, and, and I think, do you know what, the, the Northern Ireland games there are probably a perfect example of that because I think... I'm not sure the game. We would, I think, we would see the game out differently now if Gemma Grange was the manager, perhaps. And that's no criticism of Jane Ludlow. I think she did a, a fantastic job and took us on a massive stride in herself. But I think the mentality, I agree, is is a big, big thing because the players aren't talking about like it's the fans who are talking about playoffs and you know goal difference and you know we were talking before we started recording about the ludicrous system <laughs> to get to the playoffs. Yeah. But the play, the players are talking about winning the group. And I think, you know, that in its in and of itself is is is, is very interesting and different, and it says a lot about the situation. Um, you know, we'll get to we'll get to France Slovenia last night, which was uh, a sort of result that certainly surprised me, but kind of opens things up in a, in a couple of ways. Um, if we do look at the game last night, it was a, a very tricky game, really, um, in a, in a lot of different ways. We were someone said at halftime we were kind of fortunate to get the goal when we did, and I. I don't think we were fortunate because obviously it was well worked and it was well finished. But I think the timing of when it happened was maybe a bit fortunate because I do wonder if if as the game has gone on, you know, obviously we found it hard to get a second goal anyway. But if that was nil-nil rather than one-nil, obviously I think, it, you know, the dynamics of everything are very, very different. And I think the composure perhaps of the players is is, is very, very different as well. But to, to, to look at the match in itself, you know, I, there was a kind of a slight tactical tweak, I thought. Did you see that as well or is it just me? Um, yeah, I mean, I, was, I wasn't expecting first and foremost Stoner to play 4-4-2. I thought they played five at the back. And I'm not sure if maybe we prepared for that because I thought they had like a little bit of a, a Stonian DNA in terms of the men play this the same way as the women. So... I thought we, we obviously wanted to play the, the three high, push it up, right up against them. Um, and then have Jess in, in that hole. And then obviously because I just assumed that they were going to play like a 5-3-2, have the space then for Rachel Rowe um, and Rihanna Roberts to bomb on um, and join in, which is what we've seen that they were trying to do. And that's why it was more of a flat back four because obviously Rachel Rowe had so much more space. Yeah against Kazakhstan that she just popped into midfield. So I felt like that was the reason why that they could go up and support because we were expected to play against the five. So I was surprised to see Estonia in that back four. And the first five minutes, I thought we were going to absolutely annihilate them because we started so well like we did. They were all over the shop and we just had spaces everywhere. And as soon as we got that first goal, I was pleased because we didn't seem to be sitting off and, and content with that. We were going for the second one, but they seemed to grow into the game. Um, very, very well. And then it frustrated us. And then I, I just felt we got a little bit too um, predictable, really. And we were forced and we were coming inside a lot where all their players were. And I know that Yamo, Matakin would have done hours of research because our team meetings used to be hours long when he used to do them. I was just fighting not to fall asleep, to be honest. <laughs> not, in terms of, not because they were boring, it was just it's too hard to concentrate for that period of time. Yeah. Um, so I think, personally, that's why there was a, a, a tweak um, in the system because we were expecting to play up against the five. Obviously, I could be way off there um, and only Gemma Granger and her, her staff will know that. But that's what I felt um, originally. It was interesting. When we scored, It looked. I remember the, the camera kind of zoned in on, on Jess as, as we were kind of resetting. 
And she turned and looked at Gemma Granger and Granger kind of gave her the signal that she gave her like four fingers. So it looked like, I wasn't sure if that meant that, oh, we've got the, we've got that. They've not set up as we expected to. We're going to go to plan B or, or, or something similar like that. Um, I, I wonder if that was the case. But again, maybe I'm kind of reading a bit too much into it. Um, I mean, you mentioned the start there. We had three corners in 90 seconds and I think we were 1-0 up in, in four minutes, I think it was, something like that. It was just yeah, a, five, five, like. perfect, perfect start. What a what a ball from Jess Fishlock. Absolutely outrageous. Um and I thought the composed finish again, I used the word delicate before, I would say the same again. Like it, it was quite a kind of delicate finish. We didn't we kind of struggled composure wise perhaps later, but absolute dream start. Oh yeah, great. Well, that first thirty seconds and it was like a replica of Friday night where we had and had James actually taken the the kickoff, and then you had all our strongest forwards over on the left trying to win that that first ball and play off there. And both times on Friday and on on Tuesday, we managed to win the that first ball, and that then she put us in great territory to to carry on from there. Um, I thought she finished it really well, Tash. And to be honest, I was a little bit. I think she may have been a little bit surprised to have seen the ball come across because the gap to get it through was so small. Um, and as I said before, I think only a player of Jesse's quality you can see that and then execute it as well but yeah she just seemed really relaxed in in that moment which was great to see because a lot of the forwards snatched her shots on friday and and yesterday as well um so she finished it i think obviously her goal on on friday would have helped her just to yeah. you know because that was a great finish as well with her left foot i think that would have just been in the back of her mind that she's just maybe a little bit more relaxed than if she hadn't have scored on, on friday as well but it was it was a great great start and when, whenever you score early like that, it just it just settles your nerves a little bit. Um, because as you said, you know, if we hadn't have had the timing so early on, I think we would have been snatching that shot even more so going further forward because you're just desperate to get that yeah. goal and, and get the pressure off. But yeah, um, we definitely need some shooting practice, I think. Um, yeah. of it, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with you on that. It was a bit of a weird one because at the start, the, the chances started to fall to people who you perhaps... With all due respect to Rihanna Roberts, um, you would perhaps <laughs> want them to fall down. I think she had two um, quite early on and quick quick succession as well from corners. Um, I wanted to ask you about the corners, actually, because I thought that, that was something I found quite frustrating personally watching. The, the, the corners, considering how many of them we had, were... I felt maybe I thought maybe a bit predictable, but also not particularly well executed. And I wasn't sure if that was partly because we were trying to put it somewhere specific and kind of gang up on the goalkeeper, if you like, or if it was just one of those nights. Because I felt like a lot of the corners either went over everyone or hit the first hit the first uh, hit the first person. Yeah, I think I said that in commentary as well. I was I was struggling to work out whether we had practiced and we're just going for the same routine of trying to hit that front post area continuously because they'd found a weakness or whether it was just poor execution. Um, and I was getting a little bit frustrated because we just weren't mixing it up a lot. I mean, we had yeah. a couple of opportunities from it, but oh, I can't. I don't even know how many corners we, we did have, but it must have been close to 20. It must have been at least 15, surely. Um, and as I said, a lot of them were the same. I would have loved to have seen an in-swinger, um, well, but then obviously it's difficult because a lot of them are out on the right who had either Rachel Rowe or Harold James taking them, so obviously they're out swinging. Whereas if you had Gemma Evans with the in-swinger, and she used to take them under Jane Little as well, and she can put it right on top of the, of the goalie there or more towards the back post. But obviously then you're missing her aerial presence because only really her and Rihanna Roberts have got a bit of height in the team. We are quite a little dirty team. Uh, <laughs> so we haven't got much you know, presence there. And that's where maybe the balance of having more left footers in the squad might go against us at, at times, um, just for a little bit more variety more than anything. But, you know, credit to the Estonians as well. I think we're, we're so quick to, because our expectations are high. Yeah. We're so, we're so quick to say, oh, you know, we should have been there. And I was saying before the game, I expected four or five, um, especially because of the way we've been playing under Jen Granger. But, you know, they were really disciplined and organised. Um yeah, you know, and they threw the bodies on, and that's something that you would come to expect under Matt Yeah, I, I guess so, and and I think they did recover pretty well, and I think it was quite a weird one. I, like, I just I just pulled up the stats there. You were you were very close. We had sixteen corners. Yeah, um, <laughs> we had twenty three shots 
uh, overall, but only six of them were on target. And I think if you can look at those stats in, in kind of two ways, really, can't you? One, in the sense that we kind of needed to be more clinical and, and better with our shooting. But e- equally, I think the Estonians did limit us to an extent in terms of what they allowed us to do if you know what I mean I think they were quite quick to close us down they were happy for us to shoot from range a lot of the time and equally when the corners started coming in I felt they they were they were fairly comfortable in that circumstance the the keeper was tall seemed very comfortable coming out to to claim the balls in the air so I think you know it as you say, it is easy to kind of point the finger, but sometimes we need to be a bit more uh, give give a bit more credit, perhaps. Um, do we do we think perhaps that maybe our biggest kind of hurdle, if we are going to qualify, and looking at the, the the game that stuck in my head last night was the the Norway away game. Obviously, they went one nil up. Very fortunate, I guess, to to still be one nil up after they had a, a goal comically disallowed. Um, oh God! Yeah, that was awful. But then in the last maybe 15 minutes of that match we really had chances we were really beating on the door and we had chances to do something in that game and we kind of couldn't take the chance and that scoring a goal there is probably the thing that would have taken us across the line even the Northern Ireland away game was another one as well where we had a lot of good chances in that game and again 23 shots last night six on target is that that one big area I guess where Gemma Granger has to improve because we're not going to get 23 shots against the French or the Slovenians um, and as a consequence we need to kind of close that ratio a bit more and be a bit more clinical yeah I think I, I'm looking at it in in a way of I'm really pleased that we're creating chances because as we mentioned before 2017 when we played Kazakhstan at home and even when we played them away we barely scraped any chances together and it took a really lucky free kick from Hayley Lads and a wonder goal from Jess in the away fixture to get us over the line in those games. And I know they're tricky, but for a squad of our um, calibre, we should be, you know, playing against Kazakhstan like we were. So I'm really pleased that we're creating chances because that's the, the main thing. But then in the second half, yes, I didn't feel like we created as many as we could have because we were playing, we were just quite predictable. And when you look at the stats over the two games, I think it's 54 attempts and 22 on target. You can't really be happy with that. Um, when you're playing against teams, I know Estonia frustrated us, but especially against Kazakhstan, or we think even like the Tash Harden chance when she had so much more time, she just lashed the sec in the second half yesterday. Yeah. She just lashed at it. You have to be better, and you have to get into the, the good habits there because you said when we come up against, well, hopefully Slovenia, hopefully not Slovenia, but when you come up against France, you may only get two chances. And you have to at least hit the target and work the goal. If you hit the target and work the goalkeeper, you've got half a chance. And then obviously, you, you know, rebounds or someone's following in or, or anything like that, or a goalkeeper error, at least you, you're giving yourself a chance. But when you're missing the target and missing them wildly because of a lack of composure, that is something that I'm sure she'll be really frustrated with. And she's got a lot of experience with all the different um, England youth teams. She's been to... World Cups within the 70s and the 20s. She also went out to the Euros uh, when England reached the semi-finals as an attack coach, as a forwards coach. So she'll have plenty up her sleeve. I mean, it's, again, it's maybe us and our expectations of, right, like she's come in, she's playing this way, it's amazing. We, need to, we, oh, we beat them 6-0, we should be handling these. But actually, she's still quite relatively new into, yeah, the, into the job as well. So needs a little bit more time. That's why I like the fact that the first three games that were organised were against good quality yeah, teams, because um, that's what you need. You, you, it's all good and well going out and beating Kazakhstan six 0 but if you can't perform and play up to a, a good standard against you, you know your Denmark, Kansas that we were playing before, and have a real idea of actually we can defend, we can transition well. Um, then you know we're not going to have any chance when we play up against France. And when they talk about the mentality of wanting to win the group, we have to be in a position of playing those teams regularly to put ourselves in a better position of, of competing. But I do think there'll be a lot of work done on that area because it is the hardest area. It's the hardest part of the, the game. I'm going to stick up for forwards here because I was at the forwards and it definitely is the, the hard bit. But when you've got stats like that, they need to be better at that level for the players that we've got, certainly. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, 
I think the final ball is a part of that as well. I think those the sometimes the final ball was just a bit ahead or a bit behind or just a bit too high, and it does make your chance that little bit harder. You know, obviously not to your level, but I was a, I was a forward as well, and and any any excuse you can get to uh, for it to not be your fault and blame on someone else, I'm definitely gonna support the forwards in that in that sense as well. So I I, I do know what you mean. Um, I think as you say, that is something that will come. I think. The expectation. I'm not even sure how much expectation is, but perhaps just excitement, maybe that yeah. you know we, we seem to be progressing all the time. That there's that extra pressure, perhaps, and you know we've got to remember that you know that Gemma Granger has, has managed Wales in a in a handful of games, and that system, that time, that process, everything is going to take a little bit longer than than we expect, and she's doing this whilst in the campaign it's not like she's had a you know time to get her feet under the table she's she's doing this on the job you know we're we're playing these big important games and I think it's a big sign of how things have changed and grown in the time that I've at least been watching Welsh football Welsh women's football is that we're going into games like this thinking Six points and nothing else is good enough. You know, we, Kazakhstan in 2017, like you say, two one nil wins at the start of that campaign. You, you maybe even thinking if we can come away with that with four points, you'd be pretty happy. And again, that expectation has changed. Now we're disappointed we haven't put five on Estonia. That the the change and growth and development is is staggering really in those four years. So I think we do have to kind of bear that in mind. And I and I recognise that I'm, I'm I'm worse than a lot of people for that. I'm, I'm do get quite excited. I think it's. There seems like a, a real determination. Tash Hardin had this in particular, actually, I thought, in this window. She's always comes across as quite jocular and lighthearted, and, and she definitely still has that air about her. But I feel like she's maybe kind of flicked a switch in her mind a little bit, that she doesn't want to kind of be perceived in that way as much. I thought her interview after the match on BBC Wales last night was was really interesting because she wasn't kind of joking and and, and bantering around, if you like. She was actually quite, by her standards anyway, quite... um, Serious. Yes, yeah, I was going to say stern then. That's not what I meant. But um, yeah, serious is exactly right. And I do think perhaps that we talked about mentality and stuff before. Maybe that is something that's going along with me- that mentality shift, and and it's something that is is, is having an effect on on everyone, and you know, generating leaders. Because ultimately, my incredibly long winded question is: Are we <laughs> are we at the point here where this, for, for certainly for people like Tash, maybe even Jess, we're at a it's a now or never type situation for these players if if they want to be part of a squad that qualifies. I think, particularly with Tash as well, I think they're still carrying a, a bit of hurt from that Euro campaign. Yeah. Um I think, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure they are to be honest. They were absolutely devastated. They were devastated in the, the England game um for the World Cup when it went to the to the last game because yeah. it, when you put yourself in that position never been in it before. Um and then obviously to you know and we, and we played well in that first half and I was yeah. I can remember being a commentary and I was like bouncing because I was like I, I honestly think we're gonna spring a surprise here. And all, and then you know, it, it just didn't seem to happen. So they were they were gutted from there. But then for the Euro campaign, they were absolutely devastated. And to then see Northern Ireland um, actually go on, win the playoff and, and go through, you know, there's probably real feelings of, of envy there. Um, and they don't want to go through that, that process again. So I feel like they're a lot more determined. Not saying that they've never been, but I'm more just ruthless in that the way they're approaching games now um, because they know that they are good enough they're more than good enough and they should be there. Because in the past, we've always been, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we can get there? They know that this squad should be there. Yeah. And for some of them, like you said, it's, it probably will be their last opportunity. Um, we've never reached a major tournament, but obviously the World Cup um, is even harder to get to and, and that won't come around, like, obviously, for another four years. So for those older lot, the ones that have come through that this big change of, of development in women's football, especially in Wales. Yeah, I think that they're, they're just desperate more than anything to actually get there for themselves, but for everybody else, because I do think they are carrying a, a huge um, weight upon them now, especially with this new slogan. You've got the for us, for them, for her, and obviously they want to do it for each other. 
obviously you want to do it for the players that have gone before them, your Laura McAllisters, your Trailblazers, but more so for for them, or for her, as they say, you know, the, for the youngsters that they're trying to inspire and trying to really get in and generate that new audience. I think they maybe have that that pressure on, on their back as well, which they haven't had before. So they're desperate for themselves, but but to do it for them because they know that the the state of Welsh women's football is obviously going to be even better um, or in a better place if they do qualify. Because as we've seen from the, the last World Cup campaign, as soon as we got a little bit of momentum in that group and started winning, we're in with a shout. Everything seemed to change. There was a lot more people coming to games. There was a lot more uh, media interest because obviously success brings that with it, brings yeah. the whole of Wales with you. Um, so I, yeah, I just I feel like they've got that on their, their shoulders a little bit as well, which is is not a nice thing to have to carry around, but it's great because it just shows again how far the game has developed. Yeah, I I I, I totally agree, and I guess you know the the pressure is 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 the is the thing that's on there and. You mentioned the slogan, uh, slogan. Sorry, um, and I think that's something that is this team and this group in particular have done so so well in the last four or five years, where they've generated a lot of their own interest because of who they are. And I think yeah. the FAW obviously need to take some credit for that. But I feel like the players themselves are so switched on to stuff. You know, uh, you see them all posting on Twitter. A, Posting and sharing all these uh, the the tiny uh, the, I was going to say tiny rebel it's not tiny rebel the tiny <laughs> no what? it's not tiny rebel no. um, what are they called the media company oh my god my, I've just had a complete brain tiny fun. media tiny media obviously um, yeah the, like they retweeting all of these and and sharing them and, and talking about them and the time and effort that it, it must go into kind of taking part and participating and and, and acting in them as well and I think they really have a handle on how important it is as well and I imagine that must add a, a big big you know dump of pressure really and it must be so difficult to kind of operate in those circumstances especially given you know that yeah. as you say that Wales have never qualified before I I wanted to ask you one one thing I've, I've, got, I've lost track of how many times I've said that but um the goalkeeper situation is something that I've I've talked about on here before and I'd, and I'd love your thoughts on it um I wonder if I, I would I would wonder if you if you know more in terms of what the additional kind of depth in that situation is like. I've you know I've 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 held my hands up. I think Laura Laura O'Sullivan is a great great shot stopper. I do worry about her in kind of pressure situations and and big games. And and I wonder what our kind of and again I'm not calling for her to be dropped, but wonder what your opinion is of the of the keepers around her and the the kind of the next one on the off the conveyor belt so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's always a hard position with the goalkeepers and I think it's more difficult within women's football because they really don't get that that quality of specialised coaching at a younger age. Um, you know, only now are we, are we seeing you know, even full-time female goalkeeper coaches and it's always been an area of the game that, that comes under a massive amount of scrutiny without people actually researching the reasons why behind it and as I said you know that, that lack of coaching will, will have an, an effect but it's getting better yeah what we've got the minute is obviously we've got Laura Sullivan who's been superb for Wales over the last five years um but maybe nobody really ready at the moment to challenge her so we've got two youngsters I think yeah. Olivia Clark's probably well I'd say in pole position to, to challenge but I mean they're both quite young with, with Poppy as well um but Olivia came off the bench for her first cap against Scotland. So yeah. I think that might just say say something. Um, I think she's just signed her first pro um, contract. Well, she's with Coventry anyway in the Championship. But they're not quite ready yet. Um, and it's hard because how do you give them experience when you're trying to build? Like, for example, what, those first few games now with, with General Green, you're not going to check someone in of, of that age for the first cap against Canada when, when it's your first game. In charge and you want to put on a show. So I think we've got a good couple of years, to be honest, before maybe we see Livy Clark, Poppy Soper really stepping into that position of really challenging. Um, and there'd probably be a good battle between those two then. I'm not sure underneath that, to be honest, if, if there is anything, you know, they're, they're quite young, they're only 1920 themselves. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's an area that definitely needs improving. Um, and maybe in five years' time, we'll say we're in a healthy position. But at the moment, they need a little bit more depth there. But as I said, it's difficult because a goalkeeper is not a position where you, you know, you do just give minutes for two people because you, you obviously want the, the goalkeeper to get that consistency between themselves and obviously the, the back line and get that unit sorted. Um, Laura's been great for us. Yeah, she, as you said, she's prone to a couple of mistakes, obviously, that, that Scotland one. But I think maybe that I'm glad that happened in a friendly. Um, and that probably would have just not given her a wake-up call because she's not the type of person. She's such a lovely, lovely person. She, she's so humble. She works so hard. Yeah. But maybe, maybe just frightened her a little bit that she knows that when it comes to a qualifying campaign, she can't take any risks like that at all because she had a few warning signs in that game. Yeah. I was there with my head in my hands every time <laughs> I went. I was getting a little nervy. Um, yeah, and I hope that that obviously has been a learning experience for her. But in terms of for the future, I think we've got a couple of years before probably Olivia Clark really steps into that role. I mean, she has done fantastic for us. And we, we always talk about that England nil-nil, but she has made a couple of key saves. The one, I've just started this sentence now, I forgot, she saved a penalty in that campaign. We won yeah. 1-0 away in... I think it was Kazakhstan itself. Was it Kazakhstan? It was either Kazakhstan or Belarus, but I'm pretty sure it was Kazakhstan. Oh, you might be right. Who, I, see, I no, thought... no, I don't think it was, actually. I think it was the last campaign, wasn't it? That's just been... I think, oh, it might be Belarus. It might have been. Either way. I was probably watching on a tiny screen from the BBC, so I couldn't probably see. That was, yeah, yeah, that was the 1-0 game, good. wasn't it? So, yeah, that, you're probably right yeah. there, actually. Um, but, yeah, you know, what a, she's made key contributions um, uh, kind of throughout. And, you know, it's just a shame that that has kind of fallen on her to an extent, you know, where it has, um, because she has been fantastic for us. So, hopefully, uh, it's good to have that kind of competition and, and pressure in the next couple of years, which hopefully will kind of keep improving things as well and I'm sure it has been a, a learning experience for her um, to look at the to kind of look at the bigger picture obviously going into this six point was what we wanted six points is what we've got so there can be no complaints really a, a thoroughly professional job in in I would say kind of difficult circumstances um, but I think I'm intrigued in your thoughts looking at the Slovenia and France game. For, for those who haven't seen it, Slovenia were 2-2 uh, at home with France. France got a 94th minute winner to win 3-2, a penalty. Um, you, you mentioned to me when we were messaging last night that the the French went, rested a few of their players. I saw Renard, for example, didn't play. Um, yeah. But there's kind of two sides to that coin, I, I think. One is it's Slovenia are maybe going to be a tougher test than we originally thought equally this shows that there's a vulnerability to the French as well so it, it kind of is a is a two-way street that isn't it yeah I wasn't sure what to what to make of it at the time I was like I don't know if I want Serena to win here or, or lose it was hard to know what would be best for the group yeah but certainly I think it goes to show that Serena definitely won't be any pushovers I mean I was maybe one at the start when I saw the group I was so happy because I thought oh we've avoided some real difficult teams in there um and and i think teams are catching up as well because the czech republic drew with with holland on the weekend now, that's a huge result for them yeah the teams are catching up but I, I i was quite happy with the draw and it's made really made me sit back and be a bit like right hang on now like, stop getting so excited about things and just look at the bigger pictures because every game at international level will pose its, its different questions as we've seen yesterday with the estonia game okay that was very different and they were um, very frustrating to play against, but that was they, you know, their aim to limit us and to ruffle a few feathers. But I do think France is so hard. Say they're weaker than they, they used to be. They've always been really, really strong. They've got yeah. such a good setup, um, and they've got so much talent there. But if they, if the manager, there's, there's always with French teams, you see with the rugby, isn't there? There's always some sort of falling out, and, <laughs> some sort of drama. Yeah, yeah, always going on. So kind of hope that that'll carry on in in a one sense, um, because obviously they rested Renard. They had they had other players who I don't think were even selected through injuries. I'm not sure. Um, so they're definitely there to be got at, and I'm really pleased that Wales have got the the, the organisation, the structure of the fixtures, the schedule of the fixtures, the way that they have, because it's given us that opportunity to build points and momentum before we play them on confidence. But this Slovenia game next, 
I think off the back of maybe only I think if we'd have beaten Estonia FC six 0 obviously would have seen that result but thought seen the Slovenia result and thought no no we're in a good position. I think the combination of just being brought down to earth a little bit, even though I don't think the players got anywhere ahead of themselves at all, um, and they were all you know saying about Kazakhstan we're not getting ahead of ourselves. But I think just being brought down to earth a little bit with that, plus the fact that Slovenia had such a oh, competitive game and were unlucky, will actually make us more determined, more prepared for that that game. Um, and Gemma Granger will already be doing research with her analyst research on it. I'm, I'm more than sure of that. But it just makes me a little bit more new heavy for that for that game because of the the threats that they have you know, to score two goals. I know they're at home, but to score two goals against France is no mean feat at all. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, looking at the the stats and stuff for the game, they definitely gave them a great game. They didn't have much of the ball, but in terms of shots, they had just as many shots as the French and two more on target. So they they definitely are going to pose a threat to us. I was the same as you when the draw was made. There were teams that I was delighted that we avoided and and I thought this is, you know, this is as good a chance as we're going to get now. But, you know, last night's results show that Slovenians have improved a lot and it's going to be a massive what? game, 22nd of October now. Yeah, what scared me a little bit from looking at it was the fact that they had, as you said, like 20% possession, but that they obviously scored two goals on the counter. Yeah. Um, so that they're obviously really, really happy and comfortable in that you know, in that organisation and the transitions are good. Um, and we did concede. So obviously we, you know, we've had nothing against us these last two games at all. No test whatsoever for, for Haley and Gemma, for Laura in the goal. But when we played against Canada and Denmark, and we're going to forget about the Scotland goal because that was just <laughs> not a good one. <laughs> but they, we conceded some really direct um Poor goals, hmm. which we didn't actually see under um, Jane Ludlow because of obviously we were so much more defensive. Our position was maybe never so high up the pitch. So that's just something that we really need to be aware of. Um, maybe not be so open to that and, and ensure that we're dealing with those direct balls better because if they've had that amount of possession but have taken two chances, it shows that they actually are clinical, which is something that maybe we haven't been enough, not maybe, we certainly haven't been enough of in those last two games. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the one thing that struck me again, looking at the numbers, I haven't seen any of the game, unfortunately, but, you know, 50% of their shots are on target, basically. And, mm. and that in, in and of itself says a lot about the, the, the game and the circumstance and their clinicalness. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I mean, that, that game is going to be a massive, massive game. Big opportunity, obviously, away from home for us is going to make it that little bit more difficult. But then the, the backup, uh, the backup, the next game, sorry, is the is Estonia at home. So you'd like to think, I mean, you'd come away from that. If, if you offered us probably four points there, I think, I think I'd probably take that right now. Uh, I, I'm, expe- I'm, my expectations are a little bit higher just because of obviously the, the group, um, and I know you were saying before in terms of, you know, it's great that now we're expecting to beat Kazakhstan and beat Estonia. But even 10 years ago, with the squad that we had, we'd be expecting to beat Kazakhstan and beat Estonia. We sh- we should be beating Slovenia. We won't take them lightly um, and it will be difficult, but I still expect them to come away with with a victory there. With So out of that, I expect six points because we are better than those teams and we have to now prove it. We've, We've always been in and around that 30th to 40th place in the world rankings. And I know you can't read too much into them sometimes because America play about 500 games a year. But we are better than where we are in terms of the rankings. And it's always just been a a case of us trying to get into that next level, which has been a problem of just beating teams that are in and around us in that area. So like, Obviously, Denmark are quite high, but those types of teams, and maybe over the last couple of years, we've played quite defensively, which hasn't allowed us to. Whereas now, we're playing in a way that we should have, we we should be playing because we've got the players to do it, and we are better than what the rankings say, and we should be up there, and we shouldn't be expecting to draw against Slovenia. Um, but as I said, you know, it is difficult when, especially if a team is going to sit behind the ball. Um, sit back and park the bus like they did and then they they've obviously improved um a huge amount but my expectations of that squad and, and their expectations of themselves are so much higher that i'm pretty sure they'll be in for, for six points there myself 
Well, there you go. That shut me up, isn't it? Um, I think going on, <laughs> that is a, a pretty perfect place to to finish today. We've managed to keep under an hour, so Ruth will be devastated. It, I, I like to think that she rambles rather than me, so this kind of proves my point today uh, that we haven't done an hour and a half waffle. So I'm I'm very happy with that. Um, just a massive thanks for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Hopefully, the girls do go on and get uh, six points in the next two games. We'll do a preview of that uh, and we'll do a review as well. We're going to be talking soon about the games uh, that the men have coming up uh, two away games in Prague and Estonia as well so definitely more to come from us in the next couple of weeks I wanted to say massive thank you Gwenan for your time and apologise again I don't know at what point it was a sensible idea I thought to uh, compare you to a Tesco value bag of potatoes <laughs> I I just I, maybe the, the pressure and the nerves of being with a professional footballer and broadcaster has, uh, has maybe thrown me over the edge I think No I quite liked it so that's that's <laughs> I'm a farmer at home, so I don't mind a few spuds here and there. Uh, see, if, if I'd have thought about it, that would have been my out, really, to make a potato joke because you're a farmer. But there you go. Anyway, I'm now waffling myself. Maybe Ruth is not the problem. Um, we will stop there. Thank you very much for your time. I, uh, I really, really appreciate it. And hopefully we can have you back on again soon. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having us on. And just if there's anyone who hasn't fallen asleep and is still listening to my boring voice <laughs> um, before, just to try and come out for that that game um on the home game against Estonia on the 26th um it'd be great to get you know a lot of, of fans there and try and get that home support and, and rile the girls up ready for that game yeah absolutely absolutely couldn't agree more well thank you very much for listening uh, I hope you are still awake uh, and have enjoyed us talking about uh, the two games and we'll be back very soon thank you for listening and goodbye <laughs>